We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we're going to talk a little bit today about the biggest deciding factor in the Bulls offseason. That is, of course, Zach Levine's upcoming free agency. We're also going to talk a little bit about what I saw at the draft combine. I was at the draft combine at Wintrust Arena Thursday and Friday night. So we will discuss the Bulls' options at number 18 overall in the NBA draft a little bit later as well. Uh, But I guess first, let's start off with some news. DeMar DeRozan, a second-team All-NBA selection, well-deserved for DeMar DeRozan. He joined Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, John Morant, and Joel Embiid on the second team of the All-NBA squad. That is some nice company to keep. For DeMar DeRozan, I thought he had a shot at first team all NBA. I think his month of March, which was a little disappointing. That's really when the Bulls season started to crater. Uh, You know, his performance in that month probably knocked him out of first team all NBA consideration. But second team all NBA is a hell of an accomplishment. So congrats to DeMar. Richly deserved. He had an incredible season. And Ayo Desumu making second team all rookie. I read somewhere it's the fourth time in the last five years the Bulls have had a player make the all rookie team. Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Lowry Markinen also made the all rookie team. Uh, so Io, you know, excellent rookie year for him. I think he certainly has a lot of room to grow going into next season, specifically as a scorer. Uh, I think 11 and a half points per 36 minutes for Io DeSumo. So you got to score a little bit more than that, Io. But there's no doubt that he proved himself as a rotation-worthy NBA player, as a rookie. And I certainly think that, you know, he's he's got a pretty high ceiling in terms of where he can improve uh, is on both ends of the floor, really, uh, to continue to help the Bulls. So nice job, Io. Definitely deserved that uh, notoriety to get second team all-rookie honors. Uh, nice to see the Bulls get some postseason accolades now that their season is over. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I obviously at 38 looking like a great pick. I know you and a lot of others, even me as well, had questions about IO in the NBA. And I think he was much better than we could have ever expected. Uh, definitely with to the points about where he can improve. I mean, I think uh, we know that he can definitely stand to just shoot the ball more. Uh, the, the, those record scratch moments, got to eliminate those. If you're open, take shots. He can be more aggressive. We saw moments this season where he was really aggressive and he could drive and get to the basket. He had that sick uh, poster dunk to end that Pacers game. Uh, that was awesome. And like, I'm not saying he's going to be doing that all the time, but I think we know he's got a little more, I think, offensive juice in there but, uh, based on kind of what he did in college. And then defensively, obviously his on-ball defense was really impressive. I think we we know he's got to get better at in terms of team defense, learning the rotations and all that kind of stuff. But again, he's a rookie. Uh, and for the 38th pick, you cannot complain at all. It was really fun to watch him. The fans embraced him as a Chicago guy. So that was awesome. As for Jamar, obviously, whatever you think about how he performed in the playoffs and how things ended down the stretch was obviously just completely deserving of all NBA second team. He had, what, like 28 points a game. He had that historic stretch, uh, one of the best bowl seasons we've seen since Michael Jordan. He was awesome. It was great to see see that happen. So congrats to DeMar. Also, with all the NBA coming out, this was expected too. Zach Levine not making not making all NBA means that he does not get a supermax, does not become eligible for supermax. So that I think the supermax would have been something around like 250, uh, like 245, 250, five years max. Now it's gonna be that two, like 212, 213, I think, or something like that is the most he's eligible for. Uh, and again, we have been, we've talked about on this podcast. We think that the Bulls should offer that full five-year 212 max. Uh, if he wants to look at other stuff with years and stuff. Sure, but five years, two twelve, totally fine. And I guess another bit of news is that Zach did have his surgery yesterday, finally as well. A scope. They didn't really give us a timetable. It was basically he just had a scope, and he uh, will make a full recovery. And again, we also have talked previously about we don't think the scope, as long as it doesn't seem like anything bad showed up, that it seems like everything's fine. Put that offer on the table. Shouldn't be a d- an issue uh, for the in terms of from the from the bull standpoint. Whether Zach actually wants to come back, we're not totally sure. Everything he's mostly set up to this point is it seems that he's happy in Chicago. But as kind of expected, there have been rumblings over the last rumblings, rumors, LeVar Balls shouting nonsense about just his situation uh, that have just keep cropping up. And I mean, and this has happened since kind of that exit interview where he said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy my free agency. I'm going to look at other options. I'm going to look at every option. Wouldn't commit to Chicago. So this kind of, it's a lot of the hubbub kind of started last week with LeVar Ball, which, I mean, what you don't want to put too much stock in him, but I mean, he is a dad of oh, another key player on the team. I don't know if like him and Lonzo are still like super tight, but I mean, Lonzo's a clutch guy as well. But LeVar comes out and says that Zach's gone. He's going to the Lakers, which like, whatever, you scoff at that. And he talked about how like, oh, he doesn't want to play like second fiddle to DeMar, like DeMar comes in. Uh, kind of starts being the one, the one A to Zach's like one B, however you want to say it. I laughed at it, I scoffed at it. I also thought that was just shitty of Lavar to come on and say that. But whatever, Lavar is going to say his stuff. It's whatever. Th- things get more interesting when then Mark Stein on his Substack brought it up and kind of then said that like, oh, there have been like quiet rumblings around the league about yeah, like Zach might not be too thrilled with like the attention tomorrow is getting. It's like okay, I mean, this doesn't make much sense. And then again, Jake Fisher, Bleach Report, this was yesterday, puts out a column talking about Zach's agency and again kind of brings up the, well, you know, Zach, it was always his team. Then DeMar comes in and then DeMar becomes the guy, especially in the fourth quarter 
and Zach is standing in, around in the corners while DeMar does his ice, mid-range ISO stuff. So again, this is another like this is another reputable guy. I mean, again, Lavar saying stuff is one thing. You got Mark Stein, you get Jake Fisher saying this stuff. Now it's like, well, what the hell is actually going on here? Like, is Zach actually mad that Demar came in and kind of stole his shine, kind of became that legit one A guy? Based on everything that has been out there in the past, it doesn't seem like it makes much sense to me, right? I mean, Zach has been whatever he's been the one A for the Bulls, and they've sucked ass until they finally brought better players in. So like now that he actually has good teammates and he has a, a guy like Demar who he had a better I mean he had a better season than him and Demar and in crunch time like obviously gets to his spots and mid range stuff he's just good at it he keeps the Bulls in control and the Bulls finally get to the playoffs and Zach makes the playoffs so like now but now because of this he's upset about it I will note that Jake Fisher's article kind of does hint that this is stuff that it seems like it's coming from other teams rival teams maybe trying to stir the pot trying to talk themselves into Zach being more available than he actually is. Uh, because it, I think it even said that I don't have this exactly right in front of me. It's basically just like other rival teams, like thinking he's more gettable now, just because they're watching this, how this played out into market more. So again, this seems like it's whether it's other teams, whether it's like clutch saying stuff, but I don't know why clutch would say this kind of stuff. I know there's the leverage stuff and like making sure. And that's where like the other team, I guess other teams being named because we've seen like this Jake Fisher article mentioned like the Hawks, the Spurs, and the Blazers again. We've mentioned Brian Windor said that stuff. KC came out and said, I think Hawks, Mavs, Blazers, and I can't remember the other one. I think it was it was basically, I mean, something like that. Spurs, I think again were the other one. It's just stuff like that. You got these teams. There's going to be the leverage stuff that comes out through clutch. The stuff about the the Demar just seems like total nonsense, though. Ricky, what do you what do you make of some of these rumblings here? Yeah, I think most of the comments we've heard over the last week amount to clutch and Zach Levine putting pressure on the Bulls to offer Zach the deal that he wants, the best deal possible in free agency. That starts with a max contract. Zach Levine is not going to give the Bulls any sort of discount on this deal, nor should he. Zach Levine could also want like a four plus right. one style contract where he could hit the open market again, a player option uh, that would, you know, keep him through his early thirties, allow him to sign another big extension with the bulls or go somewhere else if he wanted to. So the way I, I see this is that if the bulls make Zach the offer he's earned and the offer that he deserves, which is a five-year max contract, Zach Levine will stay. If Clutch draws a hard line in the sand and says, we want a four plus one at max money with a player option on yeah. the last year of the deal, say yes. obviously yeah. the Bulls should also agree to that. Not yeah. really much room to negotiate from the Bulls side because if they lose Zach Levine, they do not have the financial avenues to replace him with a player as good or better than him. The Bulls basically compromised their entire future to build around Zach Levine. They traded... 2021 first round pick, which ended up being the eighth overall pick, Franz Wagner, who had an excellent rookie season for the Orlando Magic. They still owe a 2023 first round pick to the Magic <laughs> for that Vooch trade. Yikes. I mean, they really overpaid in the Vooch deal. And then in 2025, they sent out a top eight protected first round pick to acquire DeMar DeRozan. So since Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have taken charge of the front office, the Bulls have done everything they could to build the team around Zach Levine. And Jason, this was not a given. Karnaschovas and Eversley very easily could have said, well, we don't think this team is close to contention. We don't think Zach Levine is going to be worth a max contract. We're going to yep. trade him similar to the way the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler 
We're going to build through the draft and we're going to try to build a contender that way. That's not the route they chose. I'm thankful they didn't choose that route because life is too short to tank. The Bulls already pissed away four seasons following the Jimmy Butler trade. They got nothing in the way of a star to show for it. So the Bulls bet was that if they built a good team around Zach Levine, they could possibly get a superstar level player to say, hey, I want to play for the Bulls. And that's the way superstar movement tends to work in today's league. Teams are no longer clearing out cap space the way the Miami Heat and the Bulls once did in the summer of 2010 to try to sign LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. Now, teams or players re-sign with their incumbent team. They get the biggest deal they can, and then they say, you know, I would like to go to X organization. And more often than not, those deals tend to be worked out if you're a player of a certain caliber. <laughs> ben Simmons falls a little bit below this threshold. In my opinion, Zach Levine would be a, a bit above the threshold. So I am not nervous about Zach Levine's free agency, Jason, as long as the yeah. Reinsdorfs agree to give him the contract that he's earned. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, let's talk about how nervous we are of that Zach Levine is not on the Bulls next season. I'm going to say I'm at a two. Where are you at, Jason? Yeah, I would say like three or four. Uh, there are just a lot of rumblings, obviously. But again, I think, I think this was expected. So like I have talked myself into that he's going to be back this entire time. So like I could, you could say maybe my like nervousness level has like gone up maybe like one or two points. But in, for the most part, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, the Bulls can offer more money. They're a big market. They're actually pretty good now. He's got better teammates around him. Uh so yeah, if anything, you just take the money. And this is, I guess, I guess if there's any level of nervousness, it's just the fact that the organization has just never shown a true willingness to actually pay up. And like, in a, and especially in a situation like this, they have never given a, what's the biggest contract they've ever given somebody? Like, have they even, get, what was like D Rose's like, what yeah. they give D Rose his max back in the day? Jimmy's max was 595, I think when he signed his, and then they didn't want to pay him his, like whatever, his big max that he was going to get. And they traded him. So like, if there's like I think any concern, like maybe you do worry about the Bulls dicking around. Uh, but in terms of like Zach, like wanting to go somewhere else, I mean, we never we, we're not inside his head. We don't know. But there has never really been any reporting that he like is upset here. The Jake Fish article again says doesn't say that like there's a rift with Demar again. This is like seemingly stuff coming from other teams. It seems like it's just kind of other teams, just like the Sharks circling in case the Bulls do fuck this up, or if Zach somehow does have a wandering eye. There's just been no. There's just been nothing out there to suggest that Zach actually is really unhappy other than I guess they obviously have been bad, but until now, like they're not pretty good. They did all this stuff to build around him. Like as you said, they make the playoffs, his first playoff appearance, and they could build from here. And he's in a big market as a one, a one B guy. I mean, we talk about like him being like upset about whatever being behind tomorrow. I mean, he's still, well, I think it was, I looked it up. He was like 13th and fourth quarter scoring. Like he still gets plenty of opportunities in crunch time. It's not like it's just Demar, even though Demar was like the top fourth quarter guy, but Zach also got plenty of opportunities. There were, when they were really going well, like they had a really nice dynamic going closing games. You need, you need multiple guys like that usually to close games. So like all this stuff about like him, like whatever, allegedly be, doesn't want to play second field Demar and all that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous to me. Uh, Zamar's also on the older end. So like, I mean, Zach's in his prime, like Zach will be, take over as that guy anyways at some point unless they bring in another actual like one one guy but like right now they don't have that but just based on everything that Zach's ever said his mindset it just that that reasoning just seems so flawed and faulty that it just seems like it's coming from other teams or just whatever 
clutch trying to push the bulls into making sure they pay him. I don't know. I, I definitely ultimately am just not still not that worried. Obviously that could change if there's more rumblings out there in, in the coming months, but right now I still think Zach will be back. I've been working on a free agency list for SBNation.com. I'm going to run it in July, but I've already, you know, sort of put it together and it's a pretty loaded free agency class. James Harden, free agent, Kyrie Irving, potential free agent, Bradley Beal, potential free agent, DeAndre Ayton, of course, a free agent, Miles Bridges, a restricted free agent. The best free agent in this class, Jason, is Zach Levine because of his youth and his production the last two seasons. This next contract he signed should cover the end of his prime, you know, cover him through his prime. So in a class that has Harden, Beal, Kyrie, Aiton, all these guys, and Zach Levine's the best player. Right. Bulls, you're not getting a discount. You can't play hardball. He's the best free agent available in a good free agent class. You have to sign him. Now, people on Twitter have been like uh, sending me messages like, oh, do you think that Zach is worth a max if he's not a true number one option? Based on the NBA market. answer to that, of course, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Second options, very good second options, which is what Zach Levine is, most likely. Earn a max contract. I think the malleability of Zach's skill set, he has the shooting, he has a little bit of on ball juice, rim pressure, a lot of rim pressure, uh, and a lot of shooting. Fits well with any number of different stars, right? Like Jimmy Butler and DeMar DeRozan would not have been a particularly good fit because they wouldn't have enough shooting on the wings and in the backcourt. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan was an excellent fit when they were both healthy and both active. So the Zach earned this max deal. There's no doubt about it. Now, can you have some trepidation about will he w- be worth the next contract? Sure. I think that's a fair concern, especially given the fact that he had knee pain this year. He played through it because he's a tough guy. But you wonder, like, you know, what is the long-term health of the knee? For all the information we have currently available, I think that, you know, that should not prevent the Bulls from offering him a max contract. It should not prevent the Bulls from giving him a player option at the end of a five-year max, if that's what he desires. So the Bulls are basically, they have no leverage as far as I'm concerned. Like Clutch and Levine should have the Bulls in the palm of their hand. Whatever Zach wants, Zach's going to get. And the fact of the matter is the Bulls already got a discount on Zach Levine's next deal because he didn't make all NBA. If he would have played 10 more games at a high level of performance, like he was, you know, throughout 2021 in the early months of 2022, he likely would have been all NBA. And this would have been a lot more costly of an extension for the Bulls. So the Bulls already got their discount on Zach by Zach not making all NBA. And they're not going to get another discount. They're sort of the Reinsdorf's cheapness. This was a point brought up by my bud, John Wilms said, you know, there are the Reinsdorf's cheapness is already sort of uh, covered up yep. by the NBA CBA. Right. There's only so much money. They can pay Zach Levine. It's not like Zach can come up here and ask for 60 million a year because the CBA doesn't allow that. It's 213 million or whatever it is over five years. The bulls have to give Zach that money. Also uh, the cap, the cap's going to keep going up. Like, so it's like, it's not down the road. I mean, this happens with a lot of these contracts. You give these guys these huge super maxes and like, especially like now at this, like at this age, like, yeah, it's going to not look that great. I mean, we'll see what happens with like James Harden. Like obviously like a couple of years ago, James Harden is still one of the best players. And like now giving him a max looks crazy. I mean, it just happens with these big contracts, like towards the end of the deals, when they get older, it might not look great, but again, cap rising. Uh, I mean, there's rumors about expansion happening and whatever new TV deals, 
uh, if the cap like blows up again, like Zach's whatever that huge Zach Max in a few years, maybe it won't even look that bad just if the, if the cap goes up enough because obviously whatever he signs now is based on the cap right now. So like, just don't worry about it. Fucking just pay him, uh, and it's fine. So like, <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, that's it. End of the story. He's not gonna. Zach is not gonna walk away if the Bulls <laughs> give him what he wants. I I truly believe that to be the case. And in terms of, you know, these latest rumors of him having like, you know, a feud with DeMar, you know, there could be a sliver of truth to it in that the Bulls offense was very much stand around and watch DeMar in crunch time this year. So I think that that could be like the extent of the truth in it. Now, that's something that Billy Donovan can adjust going into next season. And also Zach's injury situation sort of limited him from how potent he could be offensively at the end of games. Plus, we know historically, Levine sort of struggles with his decision-making at the end of games, whereas DeRozan is just phenomenal in terms of his ability to avoid turnovers, his ability to score efficiently late in games, and just consistently make the right decision. So, uh I'm not really worried about this. Maybe I <laughs> right. should that's be like, because that's the Reinsdorf's historically yeah. not been good owners. They, haven't been, they have not been good owners for either the Bulls or the White Sox. So that is really the only concern, but you can't let Zach Levine go. Not when you've already traded out all these future picks. There is no sign-and-trade deal that's going to give the Bulls uh, you know, a, a good return for Zach, a worthwhile return. So end of the story, give Zach what he wants, and he'll come back. Yeah, and my my last thing about this before we wrap up with some draft stuff. Uh, I mean, you talk about whatever feud with Demar and like being second fiddle. I mean, all, all these other like whatever teams mentioned, Mavs, Luka Doncic will be the one A guy, and that obviously is a young superstar who's whatever. He's better, a lot better than Demar. Still, he's still playing second fiddle to him. Hawks, Trey Young, he'd be playing second fiddle to Trey Young. Portland, Damian Lillard, he'd be playing second fiddle to Damian Lillard. Go to L.A., which, I mean, I just don't see how anything with the Lakers works, given their roster. Even if Zach says he's a fan of the Lakers, TMZ pulling some nonsense, chasing after him in L.A. I mean, again, you'll be playing behind LeBron and A.D. As the, probably, I mean, he'd probably be the second option offensively over A.D., but still, you're in the shadow of LeBron and A.D. So it's like all that stuff is just like talking about him, like being mad at like whatever, feuding. And I didn't say feuding with tomorrow. That doesn't seem like a thing, whatever. Being like a second fiddle, like all these other teams that are, have been mentioned here. It's like this, it's the same deal. Like I guess San Antonio, he'd probably be the one guy that's him and Murray, both Seattle guys, but like really going to, he's going to leave the bulls for the Spurs pops. Basically his career is done. Like, again, like I, I just don't see it. So yeah, Rory level right now, still pretty damn low. We will see. We obviously do have a lot of time still before free agency. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before free agency, there is, of course, the NBA draft. You can argue whether that should be changed or not. That's a whole different conversation. Uh, Ricky, as you said, you were at the Combine at Wintrust in Chicago last week, last weekend. Um, I don't want to take too long. We will do, obviously talk a lot more draft in the in coming episodes, but just an early, early impressions, just from what you saw at the combine, who, who you like for the bulls at number 18, just a few names uh, hit me with that. So I guess my main thing to add to bulls fans to inform bulls fans of from the combine is that the bulls had a huge presence at the combine. Now the combine is very much a who's who of the NBA. Pretty much the majority of the GMs are there. A lot of team personnel, scouts, whoever, uh, you know, I talked to Rob Polinka at the combine. He just sat down next to me. I started making small talk with him about John Butler. That's kind of the type of event the combine is right. And the bulls, I think had the biggest presence out of any team. Pretty much everyone but AK there. Mark Eversley was there. Uh, Brian Hagen, I believe, was there. Steve Weinman was there. Their analytics guy, whose name I believe is Faison Hesnani, he was there. Uh, John Paxson was there the first day. He was there on Thursday. <laughs> wow. So the Bulls, in there, there were other people in the front office whose names I don't know off the top of my head uh, who were also in attendance. So I saw a bigger group for the Bulls than almost any other team. They were all sitting together. They were watching the scrimmages. Now the scrimmages are usually not super important uh, for a team at the top of the draft because the top guys obviously don't play. It's mostly for dudes who are projected to go in like the second round this year. The best prospects were like Christian Brown on Kansas uh, Leonard Miller, who did not look good in his showing. He's a Canadian prospect, fifth year out of high school. He is deciding to either stay in the draft or go to like Kentucky or Arizona, or more likely the G League Ignite next year and be a 2023 prospect. And then there was Jalen Williams, a junior wing out of Santa Clara. He was coached by Herb Sendak, who I believe was James Harden's college coach at Arizona State. Herb was sitting next to me in the stands as well on Thursday. I talked to him a little bit about Jalen Williams and the Bulls brass was watching all those scrimmages and they watched Jalen Williams take the floor and uh, really impress at the combine scrimmage. So there was some buzz that Jalen Williams now could be, you know, potentially in the range of the number 18 overall pick where the Bulls are selecting. And I thought it was 
at least somewhat notable or interesting that uh, they had so many people watching the scrimmages and I'm sure they had an eye on Jalen Williams, whether they like him or not. I have no inside information on that, but given the buzz around Williams at the combine, it could make some sense for the bulls to at least consider him with the 18th overall pick. Uh, I had Jalen Williams projected at number 30 overall in my instant mock draft on SBNation.com following the lottery. Uh, and, you know, I think Jeremy Wu of SI said that Williams' range is like from 25 to 35. So, you know, will he get serious consideration at 18? I don't know. But I can tell you a little bit about Jalen Williams because I would guess the majority of the listeners on this podcast have no idea who he is. Jalen Williams is a junior wing out of Santa Clara. This year, he was a first-team all-WCC performer. He spent his entire career playing for Santa Clara. He was a recruit out of, I think, the Phoenix area. And he's a 6'6 wing with a 7'2 wingspan who can handle the ball, shoot the ball off the catch. You do not really see players who are 6'6 with a 7'2 wingspan. That is extraordinary length. And Jalen Williams had the biggest difference between his height and his length out of any player at the combine. Uh, You know, Usually centers have seven, two wings. That's like Ron. Wasn't Rondo something like that? He's like six, four, six, five, and like a seven, some wingspan. Scotty like, Pippen is something like that. I think Scott yeah. Pippen was six, seven with a seven, three wingspan. Jalen Williams is six, six with a seven, two wingspan. Jalen Williams also shot nearly 40% from three. He did it off the dribble. He did it off the catch. But at Santa Clara this year, his main role was as a creator, and he was excellent in the pick and roll. I don't have the synergy grade off the top of my head, but I believe he was like around the 90th percentile in terms of pick and roll ball handling this year. And you saw it in the combine scrimmages. He was able to fire passes with both hands, uh, hitting uh, corner shooters, hitting the roll man. He also looked very good as a shooter. I was watching him in warmups. He gets like basically no elevation on his jump shot. It's just an effortless shot with those long arms. Uh, Looks like a natural shooter to me, for sure. Now, the issue with Jalen Williams, and this probably shouldn't come as a surprise, is a three-year player in the WCC. At at Santa Clara. (laughs) Coming into this season, is that he looked pretty slow to me. This is just my sort of untrained eye of, you know, making a snap evaluation on Jalen Williams but he seems like he severely lacks quickness and athleticism. So he's obviously has great size, great length, uh, very impressive statistically, and an impressive perimeter skill set in terms of his shooting ability and his pick-and-roll playmaking ability. The question is, does he pass the minimum threshold for quickness to be an NBA guard? Now, I will note that Jalen Williams jumped 39 inches in the vertical leaping. That's bigger than who I would consider some of the most athletic players in the draft. J.G. Davison out of Alabama. I, I think that guy is Russell Westbrook level athleticism. Well, uh, Jalen Williams out jumped him in terms of the vertical jump. How much do you put into that? I'm not sure, but the dude can jump. There's no doubt about that. He had some plays above the rim, too, in the scrimmages that looked really good. Uh, the other guy who impressed at the combine was Terquavion Smith out of NC State, freshman guard who entered college ranked number 145 overall in his recruiting class. NC State was terrible. They went like 11 and 22 or something this year. But Smith had tremendous numbers as a freshman. I think over eight and a half three-point attempts per game, hit him at about a 37% clip. He's very much in the mold of like a Bones Highland type, uh, you know, a combo guard. And Jace, it's the age of the combo guard in the NBA from uh, Jordan Poole to Tyrese Maxey to Tyler Hero. 
The combo guards have really been thriving lately. I think not Kobe White, not Kobe White, Kobe White. (laughs) Hopefully he can have that breakthrough year next year. He hasn't established himself the way that hero Maxi and pool did this year. Certainly not. But why is it the age of the combo? I think it's because more and more playmaking duties have fallen to sort of oversized wings, which has allowed these guards, these score first guards. So before you would say, well, they can't run a team. So why are you going to put this six, three, six, two guard who just wants to score all the time? Why is he, you know, a valuable player? Well, now the playmaking duties are soaked up by, you know, bigger players and these little guards who can just run around and score and create offense off the dribble have become very valuable. So that's sort of uh, the type of player Turquavion is. I thought he looked good at the combine. I don't think he's quite as quick as Bones Highland, uh, who was awesome at the combine scrimmages last year when I was in attendance, but he's sort of in a similar mold. So is he an option at 18? I don't know. I would think that is he's probably going to go a little later than that. Uh, but those were two players who I thought were very impressive at the combine. Uh, you know, when I did my instant mock draft on SBNation.com, I really went back and forth over who I should give the Bulls at number 18. I went with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, was a consensus top five recruit. He had an offer from Duke to play with Paolo Bancaro for Coach K's last season, decided to go to Milwaukee in the Horizon League to play for his father. It was a nightmare season and a nightmare decision by Patrick Baldwin Jr. The team was horrible. Pat only played 11 games. His father was fired after the year. And Pat oh. did the athletic testing in the med. Wasn't his wasn't his jump really bad? His vertical jump right? was the fourth worst in the history of the combine. <laughs> Max vertical was about 26 and a half inches. Nikola Vucevic is one of the few players to have a lower vertical jump. <laughs> I saw that one. But he also measured at 6'10 and a half, 230. So he's huge. And he should be able to really shoot the ball. He should be a 40% NBA three-point shooter now. In college, he hit about 27% of his three. <laughs> his calling card. You want to compare him to someone? How about Cameron Johnson on the Suns, who when he was taken by the Suns out of North Carolina, everyone panned that pick. I think I gave him a D in my dra- instant draft grades that year. I think that was 2019. Kobe was shocked. <laughs> uh, Kobe, of course, had an instant reaction to his college teammate getting going in the lottery. But, you know, Cam Johnson, I mean, that looks like a good pick by the Suns. That's good. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, big shoot. Solid play. Always yeah. use that. The Bulls need size. They need shooting. That's why I went with Patrick Baldwin. I think Pat Baldwin was probably a loser from the combine just because, you know, does he pass the minimum threshold for athletics yeah. for an NBA player? <laughs> Being huge certainly helps. And actually, you graded out really well defensively, but I don't think he's going to really be like someone who's going to be able to chase offensive players around screens and stuff. He's just really limited athletically. Also, his major injury concerns because of an ankle that caused him to miss his entire senior year of high school and limited him to only 11 games during his freshman year at Milwaukee. I'm planning on doing a feature on Patrick Baldwin. I talked to him before the season started. I sat on those quotes because... He ended up just having such a poor year that it didn't <laughs> yeah. make sense for me to do it in November when I talked to him. Uh, I talked to him again at the Combine. That was cool. I also talked to Tari Eason out of LSU. Uh, such an articulate and just energetic speaker. I think that he's really going to impress teams in the interview process. He was a really cool guy to chat with. I think Tari Eason could be a potential player for the Bulls, six, eight forward out of LSU with great athleticism, tremendous defensive intensity, just rips the ball away from opponents and then dunks the shit out of the ball. He was (laughs) one of the biggest dunkers in this class. You want to compare him to someone, you know, 
Could be like a Marquise Chris or Tyrus Thomas. Could be a Jeremy Grant or a Marcus Morris. He's a big forward who has good defensive versatility, very athletic, uh, has no offhand, only goes right. 35% three-point shooter, 80% from the foul line, but has a very slow release on his shot that's going to need to be sped up. I do think Tari Eason could be, you know, he'd be a nice boost of both inside beef and athleticism for the Bulls. I don't really trust the shot, despite the fact that his shooting numbers in college, both from the line and from three, were pretty pretty solid just on too low volume. I think the release is too slow. I don't see him as someone who's going to be a plus shooter in his career in the NBA. So uh, those were some of my big takeaways from the combine, mostly that the Bulls had a huge presence there. It was cool to see Mark Eversley walk around. Uh, and, you know, they, they were rolling deep at the combine, which was dope. I mean, I guess I would hope so, considering it's in Chicago. <laughs> There'd be like no excuse not to be rolling deep there. Uh, that is good to hear. Uh, that's good. Obviously, again, you are the draft guy. I don't know shit about the draft. I actually have to start reading about some of these guys in the next month or so. But uh, good to hear some of these names. Uh, we will obviously talk much more about the draft. Again, what is it, like about a month away, right? End of June? June 23rd, baby. Yeah, basically right under a month away. So, yeah, we will definitely have some draft only podcasts where we go even deeper into some of these guys where we, t- or at least Ricky will. And we'll probably have, uh, we'll bring in guests on to talk more about this stuff. Cause I don't know shit about it. And I just always rely on you guys to, uh, give me insight on these players. So, uh, obviously good to hear some of this initial stuff draft season and the off season is always fun. It's what we got to look forward to now with the bulls out of the playoffs. Speaking of those playoffs, they've been pretty shitty. not going to lie. Uh, obviously there's another game tonight. Uh, with the Heat in Boston, weird series, bunch of blowouts. The, all these playoffs have been a lot of blowouts. I still think Boston. I can't believe the series is tied right now. I would think Boston's going to win the series in six, but maybe Miami pulls it out. Not totally sure when this podcast will be up. This might be coming. This might be up after this game has happened, but still think Boston wins that series. Golden State will probably end Dallas in five, and then hopefully we just get a good NBA Finals. Like we actually have like competitive games. There have just been no. There's been like no crunch time. I guess the Boston Miami game three did have crunch time after the uh, start of the game was a blowout. But just so many games have been such big blowouts. It's been kind of a bummer. The injuries, all this crap, just kind of kind of sucks. But hopefully, the rest of these, the rest of the playoffs will be better. Hopefully, the finals will be fun, and we'll see. You have any any takes for? We should we wrap this up? That's all I got, Chase. All right, awesome. I guess my last thing I forgot to mention this about Zach Levine earlier is. Even with all the stuff being talked about, I think Casey said it, Fisher said it, the Bulls are still expected to resign him. So, like, according from what they've heard, Bulls are still the favorite here. So, this is on top of everything else we've said. Just wanted to get that in there that, like, even with all these rumors happening, Jake Fisher still in his article said, while it's not like a slam dunk, that like Zach's definitely going back, most people still think he is. It's just a matter of, so other teams now kind of thinking he might be gettable for all these other reasons we talked about already, but we'll see again. We'll, we'll talk about this stuff plenty more coming up in the next month or so before free agency starts, but, uh, and then obviously drafts up as well, but for now, that'll do it for us here at cash considerations, a Chicago bulls podcast, as always shout out to the blue wire network, and please go check out the podcast, especially for the team still live in the NBA playoffs. Then obviously Tons of great other podcasts all across the blue or whatever. For us here at Cash Considerations, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. That helps us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. Shout out to Fuzzgun. Check out his SoundCloud. He made our sweet new intro for the season. So for Jason Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.